My name is Carla Malden, and the name of my book is Search Heartache. Hi, I'm Marilee Albert, and my book is called The Tutor. Marilee, I have a question for you right off the bat, and if it's untoward, okay. you can decline answering it. I was okay. fascinated in your acknowledgments when you were mentioning someone who I am assuming is your husband, that you said he would never be reading this book? Correct. It can explain, please. I will explain. Did you read my book? I did. Okay, so I, my first novel is The Tudor. It's my first published novel, and it's a roman à clé, as they like to say in French, um, based very much on my own life, which I've described in detail to my husband many times. Not detail, detail, not the fun details. But my husband doesn't want to read a sexcapade about his wife in her 20s. So he just doesn't want to read that. And so I, gave, I got him off the hook for reading. We both write. We're both writers, and we read each other's scripts. We read each other's books. We read everything. But this particular book, I said, I'm not having you read it. But here's the thing, Carla. It's all over the house. There are 20 copies of it. He can pick it up any time and secretly read it, which I absolutely would have done had it been his book. But he doesn't want to read it because it's yet another thing you have to read. Well, that's you know, fascinating because dirty, I was so. thinking, I, was, I guess the <laughs> thrust of my question was, was that your choice or his choice? So you're sort of originally, saying it's his choice. Originally, it was mine. Okay, Originally, it was mine. I did not want him to read it because I was writing about my first love. Right. The, in the book, there's a boyfriend, and that was my first love. It's, and it was very much, again, it's very much a romana clef, as they say. Yes. Or, you know, a romana clef. Um, and I just was embarrassed. I was, I felt embarrassed about it. I didn't want him reading it. It was very personal. Also, I decided, and this is where I'm going to get into asking you about your book. I decided to be as honest as I could. I'd been writing a lot of scripts and listening to a lot of people give me notes, and I don't need to tell a screenwriter about that. And I decided if I'm going to write a book and spend all that time with it, I want to be as honest as I could. What was the point of spending all that time writing a book if it was going to be dishonest? Right. Well, that's interesting <laughs> um, that... What, what is it about writers like ourselves that we find it that we can share something with the page that we can't share with the person closest to us? I mean, I think that's sort of fascinating. Isn't that interesting? I do that all the time. I wrote another book, a crime novel, and I showed it to my sister. And in the crime novel, the husbands are all getting murdered. She goes, oh, my God, I can't believe you want to kill your husband. I said, I don't want to kill my husband. It's a novel. And then I realized she'd read my first book which is exactly based on my life. So she doesn't know what to do with me. Well, I'm in sort but, of the um, exact same situation right now because my first okay, two books were nonfiction, and now this one, Sir Tardake, is a novel. So I am wondering how many in my circle of friends will assume that it's more based on reality than it is, which is okay, basically not at all. that was my question for you. That was one of my first questions I was going to ask you, Carla, is you did write nonfiction, and I haven't read your memoir, and I started reading your book, and I was wondering, how much of this is based on your life? Because I can tell you, your friends are going to wonder the same thing. I know that. It is not based so on my life. why don't you tell us? Well, I'm, I guess the best answer to it is how the germ of the idea began, though everything in terms of plot is not based on my life. The germ is based on my life in that I lost my first husband to cancer a number of years ago. Mm. And in the wake of that, which is what my first, my memoir that you're referring to is about. And mm -hmm. in the wake of that, I found myself thinking a lot about the nature of marriage, 
because many people said to me, oh, my marriage is not like what you had. They, they were trying to explain to me that they understood the depth and gravity of my loss, which was very sweet, but it was shocking to me because I had been walking around through my whole life assuming that my definition of marriage was everyone's definition of marriage. So then I started thinking about, well, people don't have marriages like mine had been. And I also started thinking that maybe marriages are not what they appear to be. And that was the germ of the idea for Search Heartache. Wow. That's exactly what I've been obsessing over lately. I'm working on a new novel about marriage. It's really interesting. Let me ask you something about that. You actually had the nerve to write a novel, which I read and I loved it, about infidelity. (laughs) And you don't even have infidelity that you're writing about in your own life. I do not at all. And all your friends are going to think it's about you. I know. It's kind of, well, the people who really know me will not, because they will have known both my husbands and know that's not the case. But yes, out in the world, I have no control over what people are going to think about it. But that is the nature of fiction. And you know, a lot of it is based on my life. The flashbacks to the girls' school are based mm-hmm. on my childhood. So there's enough there that is reality-based that it certainly does beg the question. But the spine of it, the infidelity, no. And then, of course, I became equally interested wow. in virtual infidelity versus real-world infidelity. And I decided to put it in the virtual world because that's more precarious. And I knew, again, in the wake of my husband's death, I knew I wanted this book to have at least a quasi-happy ending. It may be a little ambiguous, but it's sort of a happy ending. So I thought if it were real-world infidelity, we wouldn't buy that, that they might have a a happy future. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm saying I that totally... it was easier. I, I'm I'm hoping that it's easier for us to buy that they can stay together because it's virtual world reality than had it been. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. I Tell me why. If my husband cheated on me, I would stay with him probably. Okay. There you go. I, I thought that would be harder for people to buy. That's so interesting. Oh, I love hearing this. I, I've been just thinking about all that stuff myself lately, so I find it really fascinating. Um. You actually never did cheat on your husband, huh? No, no. And he never cheated on you, and he never no. looked at a video, and it was so believable. No. Well, good. You just came up. You mean you're actually a, a fiction writer? You wrote this and made it up? I did. <laughs> I'm shocked. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's great. You know what? I actually like the book more knowing that because it, it tells me that you're analyzing things more from a little bit of a distance. Right. Well, like like I'm sure you did, even though yours is autobiographical, mm. I'm sure you made choices. So, Oh, in my novel? Yes. Um, the Tudor, 100%. It's not exactly reality. Right. Because so you make again, choices you the, right. as to what, what to, you make choices as to what to adhere to in terms of truth and what to fiddle with a little bit, or in my case, to 100%. entirely invent. 100%. And also, what was great about you writing it as a novel for me personally was, Poetic license. I personally, I was writing about something from quite a while ago. I don't remember the dialogue with, she had a boss who was a little person 
who wanted her to be in a movie. That actually did happen to me. Wow. I don't remember what the movie was about exactly. I just remember he wanted me to be naked in a movie. With right. This, this little person. Like, it was a real thing. But I, I came up with the whole story about how he wanted it to be a gentle rape. Which I know that's terribly politically incorrect. Right. But that was the whole point of the book. Yes. Of my no. book. I got that for sure. Something else about your book that really struck me, and I and I really was curious about this. I so I knew two things about you: that you were a child of Hollywood, and that you're a screenwriter. So those two things I I knew when I was reading your book, right? Yes. I I didn't, and I didn't research you. Like I like to, I'm a detective. I like to research things, but I just, just for whatever reason, I didn't. I was reading your book, and I didn't research you. So here's my question. The thing that really struck me when I was reading it about the character in the book, and I'm dying to know your perspective on this, I wanted to ask you about privilege. Because I grew up in Northridge, you know, kind of the north part of the valley. Yes. <laughs> and um, I didn't grow up as a child of Hollywood. And I have met many children of Hollywood since in my life. And I went to college with a lot of privileged people. And I've never felt privileged. I always felt, you know, like the middle-class girl going to the fancy college or meeting a lot of people that had been raised in privilege. And when I was reading the book, the girl in the book, the woman, whose dad was a scientist, I, t- I was trying to understand her, her feeling of privilege because she felt like she wore privilege so comfortably and I couldn't, I was trying to figure out whether this was conscious, whether it was unconscious, what were you thinking, or if there was absolutely nothing that you were thinking about it. And in fact, it's just my own, per, my own kind of projection. I'd say a little bit of both, if that's not a cop-out. I think you're projecting a little bit. But yes, um, I think that she is aware of her privilege, but it is not in any way how she would define herself. I think that more crucially, she has been molded by her upbringing, of which privilege is just a small part. I think she, we make. I made a point of talking about how she went to a fancy school, but mm-hmm. she was not among the most privileged there. So that's sort yeah. of a different slant and, and molded her in a different way. And um, in terms of my being a child of Hollywood, by definition, I guess I have to say yes, because my father was an actor, but it was mm-hmm. the most, aside from the fascinating people around the dinner table, occasionally, it was an incredibly normal upbringing. Um, it was long before the cult of celebrity, and even if it hadn't been, my father would not have qualified. <laughs> he was a working actor who happened to you know, mm-hmm. have some success. He was not... A celebrity. He was not someone who went to parties. It was a very normal family upbringing. Um, it's so. I think the privilege. I find that interesting. That personally. I experienced that alone is interesting. Oh, hmm? yeah. No, I was just going to say the privilege. Any privilege I experienced had more to do with seeing, like, off the charts privilege amongst my schoolmates. Where did you go? Are you allowed to say? Um, sure, I can say it was Westlake which is now Harvard-Westlake. You went to Westland? Westlake. Westlake. Oh, Westlake. Yeah, Harvard-Westlake. Yeah, you know what? I figured that out. It yeah, was it was, it was all girls. girls then. Now but it's Harvard-Westlake. I didn't know Westlake had been an elementary school, so I got confused by that. Yes, it was for, for most of its life until relatively recently, and then it went to oh, okay. also. Yeah. Oh, I knew girls who had gone to Westlake mm-hmm. High School. I mean, I, I knew Westlake. I, I mean, I went to public school, but I knew people that went to you know, Westlake School and Marlboro and Harvard School and all that kind of stuff. Let me ask you something about 
continuing on the subject of privilege, the concept of money, it was kind of a big thing with her shopping, and, I, and, and she was buying stuff for kind of very compulsively, periodically and stuff. And I, I was just wondering what your thoughts were, like what made you put that in there, what you were thinking about for her character in terms of the shopping. Because well, I just thought it was, I found it really interesting. It just, the, I, I, it just, you know what, I guess it's sort of an issue of mine because I went to school with a lot of wealthy people. I was a scholarship kid. So you know when people read stuff, they get triggered, right? So sure. my kids were triggered. I have teenagers, so I've gotten triggered. So, well, I hope you found it you believable think- for the character. Um, I, I right, but what was the thinking of it? Like, what was your thought process in terms of like, was she developing a shopping issue? Was it just blindness? Because she could have like gone and like bought clothes for like homeless people. Like, what what was your thinking about it? I think I wanted it to be something computer related because that's the scene of the crime is the virtual infidelity that she discovers her husband committing is on the computer. So I wanted it to be sort of a return to the scene of the crime and have it be computer related. And I just thought that it becomes so, the world of, of the computer, the virtual world is so easy to fall prey to. Just like the infidelity of her husband is a click away, a shopping addiction can become a click away. Whereas she wouldn't have gotten in the car, driven to Century City or wherever, and gone in and out of shops. This is in the confines of her own home, communing with the screen. So I think she falls prey to a certain shopping addiction because it's so easy in the same way that her husband's infidelity was. Oh, I love that. And in fact, my husband has that problem with computers, shopping. See? In fact, I know a lot of people that have that problem. Yeah, I think because it's so in easy. In fact, my husband wouldn't even be buying anything if there weren't computers because he's too lazy to go shopping. Well, there you go. So I think it's just... I like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. That was the I love thinking. It. Let me ask you a question. Really, I'm going to ask you another question, Carla. And I am ready I'm so to answer. Fascinated. <laughs> Let me ask you something about this. See, if my husband were watching a video online of him having sex with someone, I would just go, oh my God, what a freak. And I go, I would leave. And then the next day I'd be like, maybe I wouldn't say something, but if I had, I would have been like, are you, what the deal, man? That's just weird. What, would you have been mad at your husband over that? I wouldn't have made him mad and kicked him out of the house at all. Well, In fact, I would have looked at it as like a get out of jail free card. Like, oh, I get to do that now. It's sort of become from from. I know I'm kind of naughty. No, so no, I'm no. Not a good person to talk. Well, the book isn't actually out yet, but from a month. <laughs> I can't wait for my husband to do it. I, <laughs> I hope he's doing it. I can hear that, Marilee. <laughs> but okay, shh, don't tell anybody. A month. people keep who that have... between us. This is a in the we're in the teepee right now. Do not say anything. Okay, Carla, what would you do? No, I was. I'm not sure what I would do. I think I would be very upset to tell you the truth. No, but would you kick your husband out of the house? Like no, I hope not, but I can't say for sure. But so you're um, a hothead. You're a little bit of a hothead, like your character. Well, that's interesting. You call her that. I think she tries not to do it, but she just can't stop herself. And I get that. Right, impulse. I like that. I get what? that impulse. And you know, the book isn't isn't quite out yet. But amongst the people who have read it, it is sort of an interesting litmus test whether people mm-hmm. say what you just said. Like, what's wrong with her? She overreacts. Or whether people say, of course no. I would do that. So it's it's really kind of a Rorschach test as to how people think that whole inciting incident playing out, um, whether or not it's valid. It, 
It, I agree. Now, here, let me just point this out. I have a lot of internal passions and emotions. It would be like what I would decide to do with that. Like, I would feel very strongly inside about it. I'd be like, oh, my God. Ah, she, and she's young and hot and beautiful, and I'm an old middle-aged hag and all that kind of stuff. I would definitely feel all that. But it would be like how I would react to it. Like, I'm more pragmatic. Like, okay, kicking him out of the house would be a problem, and I've got kids. Because, like, your, your character has a teenager. I have two teenagers at Right, home. right. Um, my 15-year-old is 17-year-old. I've got to get them over the hump. I've got to get them out of the house. And I would, I don't know. I would probably have a pragmatic response. Inside. But emotionally, I understood where she was coming from. I also don't think I would want to dump my husband over that. She doesn't I, want to. I don't to. know that I'd want to dump my husband over it. I hope But you you're think- saying you don't know that you could control your reaction. Right, and I think that's her problem. I think that she would like to be able to control it, but because of her upbringing and just because of who she is, she can't. Okay, and but see, that also brings us back to privilege because I'm also very pragmatic. My, my parents have died. I'm a middle-class kid. My husband and I have our businesses together. I'm very pragmatic. I'm like, well, where is he going to go, and where am I going to go, and how are we going to do this financially? If I were super rich, I'd be like, well, go live in our other house or Get out for a while. Go stay at the Four Seasons. Some of it, I wonder, is make people make decisions sometimes. Although there's so many homeless people, you wonder, is this even an accurate concept altogether? And, and, you know, I'm riffing. But I just found privilege to be something that continued to to cycle through during this. She was very wealthy. I mean, she could jump on a, a, get on a plane and go to London first class, no problem. Right. And then meet that handsome guy and then not sleep with him, which, God, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously? Would you do that? Would I do? Are you asking me a direct question? Yes, I, I would right. do that. Would you go to London on first class, meet a handsome stranger, and not sleep with him? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you would. I would. Now, did you remarry? I did. I can be civil. I did. Yes. So, do you feel nervous that you're writing a book about infidelity? No. Or is your husband cool? No. No. Not at all. Um, no. I, I, it's... It's just sort of um, an arena that is a crucible for testing a marriage that I happen to choose. Um, I think other people in my life whose marriages have crumbled around me may be a little Mm -hmm. more skittish about it, but my husband will be fine. What does he think about infidelity, your husband? Oh, And the thing that you wrote about in your book. I think he thinks that her reaction is understandable, if a little exaggerated, if that makes sense. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't know exactly what you would do? I would hope, I know what I would hope I would do, but I'm What would you hope you would do? I would hope I would not kick him out, but I can't guarantee that. I would be pretty furious, I think. Um, if it's, you know, because it's, true. it's not, I, don't, I can't exactly say what I know I would a hundred percent do if I caught my husband doing exactly what you're describing. Because Marilee, remember, it's not just watching the video. It's the, watching the video is the thread that she pulls that reveals the chain of emails that are quite intimate. No, I know the emails were kind of, there so too. that's I didn't really, think the emails were bad at all. That's, I've seen worse. Okay. What? Okay. We have different lives. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. This- no, my husband's going to love this. Good thing he won't listen to it. I'm totally kidding. 
By the way, I make a lot of jokes, and my poor husband, that's why he doesn't read my book, because he doesn't know what he's going to read in it. Got it. Um, but no, I wrote I, a book also about husbands getting murdered. This poor guy, you know, he's got to put up with me. That's funny. Well, I want to hear more I know, about... I have to put up with him. What? Yeah, that's... Well, that's the nature of marriage, isn't it? That's sort of what my book ends up being about, is we have to put up with each I other. I loved your book, Carla, and I'm so glad that it's a novel and that you didn't really kick your husband out for looking at the French video. Also... Can I can I tell you what I found kind of poignant about please, it? Please, is the man having a little midlife crisis? Because I re- when I wrote, the, did you read my book? I, I did, did. absolutely. Okay, in the book she has a boyfriend yes. named Griffin. Yes, Griffin is based on my college boyfriend, and I called my college boyfriend last year after a very long hiatus of not speaking with him, and I said, okay, I kind of got some news. I wrote a book about us, and he just went, like just this long sigh. And he just went, oh, you know, here we go. There she is again, popping up after 15 years, and she's got another story. And he's a son of a a writer. His dad's a writer. Um, So he comes from a family of writers. So he wasn't super upset about it. But I had this middle-aged crisis after I talked to him, like kind of like thinking about our, you know, thinking about our youth. And if there had been a video, I probably would have watched it. Okay, I'm just sure. saying. So I would have watched it. At their, what am I going to not watch it? I mean, it's there. I, I would have watched it. There was no video. There was no recording. There was nothing. Okay. Right. In my book, I just want to underscore that the video is the launching pad for her discovering the emails and all I kinds know. of things. So it's not just the one incident. Can I tell you the thing about the emails, though? He doesn't even take the woman up on the offer. Well, we don't know if he would have. actually proved he was a good guy. What? I'm glad you think that, but on closer analysis, we don't really know if he might have taken her up on it uh, had he not been caught. So to my mind, that's the guillotine that's going to hang over their marriage forever. But Yeah, I think it's just that I think that I'm a, a gray area kind of person. Yeah, it is a little gray. It is a little right. gray. I like gray. I think long-term marriages maybe survive better when the people are a little gray about things because 20 years with someone gets a little, you know. Right. And she is not. Well, Maura, the heroine of my book, is not. She's a black and white person at the beginning, for sure. She's she's all about right and wrong and very much about expectation, the flip side of which turns out to be disappointment. And so you're saying that's not really you. You were exploring it through a more extreme character. Well, I can relate to that for sure, but I hope it's not. So you're a little bit like her. I am a little bit like her. I hope not as much as I used to be. But do you think you've changed, become a little more flexible? I, I, I hope so. I hope so. What, what made you decide you, you, you wanted to explore infidelity because you've been thinking about infidelity or because you're just thinking about marriage in general? Well, um, no, excuse me for repeating myself. I think I have like a, a memory disorder. Not possibly. at all. And I'm going to, I can rephrase it. I mean, I'm not but sure. <laughs> no, not entirely when, sure when my that. first husband died, a lot of the marriages <laughs> around me in my circle of friends started to crumble. It was just sort of a point in time where that happened. And oh, yeah, we have that too. Yeah. We have that too. Yeah, I think, I think there's an age that people hit when that happens. And, yeah, for sure. Right. And they're also starting to date each other. It's super weird. Weird, right. So I um, I just started to think about, you know, people throwing away what appeared to me to be perfectly good marriages. 
And oh, then, and then I, I thought, want to hear. I love this kind of stuff. Because I had no choice. My husband died. I had no choice. I'm so sorry, Carla. Thank you. But, you know, I had no choice. And these people had choice. So I thought, well, what is so awful that is provoking this choice? And what did you come up with when and you And I came them? up with things like maybe this. Did stuff like this happen in the houses of people I knew? Yeah. I have a friend who d- dumped her husband, and then I got on the phone with her, and it was like a bunch of really bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like real, I can't say because she would be really mad because can you imagine if I said it on a podcast? No, you don't want to do that. Right. I mean, actually, told, she told me not to tell anybody. So, like, can you imagine telling, like, a podcast? No. But the stuff he did was so bad. Like, it was just, it was shocking. You know, it was, it was just like 10 really bad things. Well, that's part of why that, and it sounds very cut and dried and black and white. And that's why I wanted to keep what the husband in my book did a little in the grayer area so that it would be sort of an interesting conversation starter. Was it bad enough? I think, a lo- you know, for her reaction, what, how would you react? I didn't want it to be something so bad that you wouldn't be rooting for them not to get back together. And also what I like, and my college boyfriend, bless his heart, he read my novel and he felt that it was balanced. In other words, you know, I think good writing, no one's a villain entirely. In real life, no one is, there's never one perfect villain in any given relationship. And I actually liked that about your book is that he wasn't so bad that she wasn't so good. You're a writer. You know what I'm talking about. Well, that's exactly There's what I was going There's nothing more tedious for. than a black and white character. No. And, good and or bad. No villain thinks they're a villain, as you said. So, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. But the for. hero is a little bit of a villain, and the villain's a little bit of a hero, and that's always more interesting of to course, me. Of course. They're people. Right. Exactly, but that's what makes the book so... Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. But I want to ask you another question about your book. So tell me about what your process was. Was it something you thought you would always Mm. write about your your early life? Or Mm. were you just at a time in your life when you were reflecting upon it? How how did you come to do it, I guess, is what I'm asking. Both of those things are true. Um, Originally, originally I, I have a very loud personality, as I'm sure you can sort of guess by this podcast. And originally, I decided to do a one-woman show about Rome, about my stories, because I always made people laugh when I told them about my boss, who was the little person, and then there was a prince. So I had, I, I used it's a very kind, politically it's a, it's incorrect a Fellini term movie. for my boss. It's like a Fellini movie. And it really was. I had a prince, a man who was small, starts with an M, and it's very inappropriate to use that term, and it's terrible. And I did it as I said it in a tongue-in-cheek way. And then I had a, the director... And everybody was a, was a sort of a type. So it was a prince, the director, the little person, and then there was someone else. I can't remember right now. Oh, the, the banker, that guy in New York that yes. she had a dalliance with. And so I started out wanting to perform this piece in my, I don't know, right around the time I, I got married and had kids. And then suddenly I, I, I reached a point in my life I had no interest in performing anything at all in any way, shape, or form. So I put it all away. And then I had my family, and I wrote screenplays, and I did a bunch of other stuff. And then in 2002, a movie came out that was made by a family member of the director in question. And a lot of my friends called me and went, oh, my God, there's this movie, and the character is you, and it's really creepy and weird, and you need to go see it. And it wasn't me, but there was one tidbit in the movie that was based on me, which I thought was very weird. 
which is where I went to college and what I studied. And it triggered this interest of mine in telling my story. That was about 10 years ago. I don't remember what year it was. Around the time I had kids. And then I kind of put that away again until the Me Too movement started to pick up. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Marilyn, you were Me Too'd. You were Me Too'd. And you need to think about how you were Me Too'd. Like, we were all Me Too'd. And I'm like, I don't think I was Me Too'd. And then I'd get into arguments with people about what Me Too is and hashtag Me Too. And I'm, I'm, I do a lot of things through humor. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to analyze my 20s. Maybe my entire decade was Me Too. And it was. Mm-hmm. And I basically did it my whole life. I let men dictate things, and I let my husband, and I went along with things. So I analyzed myself. I sat down on my table in Agora in the horse property. I was very bored. I was in the suburbs. I was raising kids. They were going to prep school. I was very bored, and I decided to analyze my 20s, discussion through the Me Too movement, and do it all in one kind of thing, and that was my novel. And I took those little stories, those little kernels that I'd written about in a one-woman show years earlier, and I pulled them up out of the hard drive, and I kind of wrote a novel around that. And then the conclusion of it was, oh, everything is gray, including my relationship with this big famous man who I really did have a non-sexual relationship with, and it really was ambiguous, for mm-hmm. real. It wasn't just he was a villain. It wasn't just me as a victim. And that's what my novel was about. Did you I consider writing it as a memoir, or, or did you know originally, you always wanted to do a novel? Oh, yeah, originally I wrote it the best way for, I could, for me to get to the truth of it was to write it with my name and his name. And then that was like the first draft. And then by the fifth draft, it was all, the dialogue was completely made up. How could I remember that dialogue? Everything was made up except the kernel of truth that I really tried to dig deep and channel myself. as a, I remember everything, how I felt. Now, what did I really feel deep down and that's what I tried to do because there was no point in spending all that time on prose. And you know how hard it is to write. What was I going to spend all that time on that prose if I wasn't going to be honest? Right. And it's very, very stripped down and honest. The only thing I did do, because I have teenagers, I took a lot of the dirty bits out, the filthy, filthy stuff. I, I just excised it. And then I took some backstory out that was very shameful and embarrassing. And I excised that as well. And I left a shadow of it all in there. And it's because of my kids. And yeah, sure, that's not very brave. But have a couple teenagers and then you'll know why I did of it. Of course. But you do have to, you know. Of course. So that's what that book was. So, it was a Romana Clay. It really was my life. Right, right. Did you, and, and you were never intended to put it in, in um, third person. I did think about it. The reason I put it in first person was the... The style, I really wanted it to be very present and very immediate. And then I also, my character was a little bit of a liar. So right, I needed right. to have an unreliable have narrator. She's, yeah, she's unreliable. She's a bit of a liar. She's also lying to herself. But she's also very, very um, analytical and very trying really hard. I, 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 I did what I, I thought. I tried really hard to, to truth. I don't know if I succeeded, but oh, it feels I wanted to very get honest. Head. It feels very huh? honest. It feels compl- very honest, a hundred percent. I feel like we have Holden Caulfield, the the voice, the universal voice of white privileged teen angst. We have other types of universal voices. I was trying to do. I know this is a big thing to try to do. I was trying to do that voice of twenty something girl angst, because everyone's talking about the victims of the Me Too movement. And real, true, true predators like Harvey Weinstein. That guy is a predator. No question. 
my experience with this director, and I don't really mind telling people who it is because I consider him a good guy. I don't really see him as a predator, but I think some people might. I don't know. I think it's, I personally. It's, I think we don't. can easily guess who it is from the from the mm-hmm. book. So I won't make you say, yeah. but yes. Oh yeah, I mean, I cannot believe how thinly veiled it is, and people go, "Is that is that Bertolucci?" I'm like, "No." Yeah. Oh, really? It's so obvious. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty easy to guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think so. Yes. But. No, you did a beautiful really? job of, of, sort of walking that line of it feeling extremely honest, but also feeling like you were making literary choices. I really was. It takes a lot of work. Don't you think writing is hard? I think it's very hard. <laughs> I actually was really impressed by your writing style. Well, thank Tell you. Tell me how hard it is for you to write, because for me, it's like walking on glass, the first draft. Um. Oh, the first draft is the fun part for me. That's the, the, really? what, what I call the vomit draft. Actually, my first, I went in the opposite direction. My first draft was in third person, and then somewhere around draft five, I switched to first person. Um, but I, I do that too. Yeah. I do that too. No, I, the first draft is fun, just letting it all come out. Is really? Fun. Then the going back, and I, I think I say to myself, I'm going to put on the biohazard suit and go back and again, in because I, I, I hate it. to read it again I hate to read it for the 18th time but because uh, I always say you know oh I should have done this I should have done that and it's great that you can change it up to a certain point and then you can't anymore because you just have to let it go but I like rewriting I, yeah, you like rewriting uh-huh. oh that's interesting I, the first draft to me is like a nightmare staring at the, pre- the wet the blank page to me is it's like the existential, you know, I write about philosophy. It's like the void. It's like, you know, Dasein looking into the void in Heidegger. Right. I, I personally just can't bear it. It's the blank page just makes me crazy. But rewriting is fun for me, sort of. It's hard. It's, look, it's all hard. It's all you hard. You have a very natural writing style. It seems like maybe it's easier for you. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I like I like writing passages of description. I like writing dialogue. I like all the, all the pieces of novels I like. It's just... I, I struggle sometimes with the overall structure, and I force myself now to do an outline, which I don't like, that I don't enjoy, uh, but I force myself to do I it. I only like that part. Oh, isn't that interesting? And not only that, I cannot stand describing scenes. I like dialogue. I find describing a setting like pulling eyelashes out of my eyes. Just oh, that, I love that. That's, the, that's, that's all the fun part for me, so that's funny. Okay, so I'll hire you to do it. <laughs> I, I don't think you need my, my, my help. But um, no, I actually find that the hardest part um, of writing prose is describing a scene, setting up the, the visuals. Um, of course, I, I don't know about you, but I never feel like anything's done. Well, that's what I'm talking about. No, you just sort of yeah, have I know. to I say agree this with is that. it. I actually found mistakes in my novel. No offense, Rare Bird, but I found someone looking at a screen. So I'm going to tell my um, children that I put an Easter egg in my book. Oh, Not that's, that I want pain- them that's to read a painful it. discovery. I know that's awful. It was it was incredibly painful. It it, it caused great angoisse when I looked at it the other I'm day. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it was a nightmare. I actually. Um, it wasn't anyone's fault but my own. Oh, the horrible, horrible. My sympathy. Right? That's a horrible moment. Yes. So, what do you, what is it going to be like for you when you when you tell when your friends read the book and think that you're a cheater or your husband's a cheater or whatever? I'm not one bit worried. I don't think anybody's going to think that. Who knows me? So I don't I don't think about that. 
I don't. What um, not What are happen. you working on now? Do you um, have a new book? That- I do. I have a young adult novel that actually Rare Bird is going to be publishing sometime in the hopefully near future. And then wow. I ha- I'm working on a, a new novel, a new grown-up novel, um, apropos of what we're speaking about, about second marriages and the, their challenges and joys and how different they are from first. What's different about a second marriage, Carla? Everything. Everything. Um, it's, Everything? Yeah, it's a completely different Is it animal. Is some good stuff in case I ever get married again? Just yes, oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's got unique joys and, and heartache and challenges. It's, it's very different. You come to it a more fully formed person. You're, you're not growing together. You're not building a life together in the same way. You're not having children together. It's a different animal. It's a very different animal. So I'm... Well, I mean, some second marriages, they have kids. Yes, they're not yours. Not mine. No. Um, Wh- so, when did you get married again? Five years ago. Five years ago. So, is it? What is the second marriage like? It's fabulous. Like, what is different? Is it it's just fabulous. Fun? Is it more fun? It's well. It's um. It's just different. You don't. You have different concerns. As I said, if you don't share children, that's different. You have you know each other's children. Um. It's it's uh, it's just different. You theoretically you're more mature. Maybe yes. Maybe no. You'll. It's um, mm. it's a tough question to answer, and that's why I'm writing a book to explore it. I love that. I, I love that. I feel sorry for my husband. I'm I'm interested in writing. I'm actually working on a a book about marriage right now. Um, my poor that poor guy is is just terrible to be married to a writer. <laughs> I don't, your husband? Is he a writer? No. He, well, he's writing a book right now, but he's a lawyer. He's writing a book about constitutional law. So that's oh, a, that's, that's a different thing. Safer. Yes, that's a different thing. Was your first husband, if I may be so bold, was he the son of a person who owned William Morris or a big agency? No. Or is that just something? No. So you made made a character, you know a lot of women like that in Hollywood, I'm sure. I knew a few, but she's she's really fabricated. Everybody's pretty fabricated, except for the teacher at the school. (laughs) The school people are based on real people. Everybody else is either a conglomerate or really fictionalized. What about the daughter? Do you have a daughter? I have a daughter. Um, she's not really like that daughter. She's she Some little funny expressions that come out of her mouth have come out of my daughter's mm. mouth, but she's a different character, very different. It felt very truthful to me. Well, good. Very, very real. Um, the... The, the again the wife what I also liked about her is she wasn't your cliche Hollywood wife which I really liked I hope not I mean I, my kids go to private school in LA I meet a lot of cliches it's great for me as a writer but I'm a cliche too I'm now the girl that wrote the sex book can you imagine at the school like just I'm the mom that wrote the sexy book well that's good the dads that's are a, all that, calling me and telling me how much they like my book there could be a worse uh, stamp of approval. Really? How do you think my teenage boys feel about yeah, that? That's, <laughs> how, tell me, they how, don't how do they it. feel about it? Well, I was at the college night, and this one guy came up to me, a dad. Oh, my God. I go, what? He goes, I heard your novel is so spicy. And I was like, spicy? Like I, he, got, he had me at spicy. I'm sorry, let's come up with a better adjective than that. What would, you, what would be your adjective of choice? Dirty, filthy, sexy... 
Naughty. Raunchy. Spicy? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Spicy is very, very basic, as my kid says about the music I listen to. He was, being, he was trying to be discreet. Well, it was great because he said it in front of a bunch of other people at college night, in front of the administrators and the, and the headmaster of the school. Okay. You can, I mean, come you on. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. No. And my kid hasn't even graduated. He's only a junior. Well, and, and, but your boys are okay with it. No. No, they're not. Interesting. No, they, they think I'm lame. Like, they think it's sad. My kid, okay, my kid saw me reading my book two days ago. And he said, Mom, I said, what? He goes, that seems kind of pretentious to me. I said, what? Are you, you're reading your own book. I'm and, like, couldn't you say, Mom, I'm really proud of you. You wrote a book. He said it was pretentious to read your own book. And then another time he said, Mom, and I said, what? He goes, I'm really glad you wrote a book. I said, why? And he goes, so you don't have to die an unpublished novelist. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good teenage <laughs> response. <laughs> well, it really sucks. My, also, my children um, have not read the book. Luckily, they don't like to read. And I, was, I told a friend of mine, you know, what do I do? I wrote a dirty book. What am I, what am I? She goes, just tell your kids to please read the book. So that, I said, can you guys really just give it some thought and read my book? And, of course, they don't want to read it, so they, don't, they haven't read it. A, a perfect strategy for having them not read it. Excellent. Exactly. Um, what about your daughter? Has she read it? Has she read the book? Right. She read an early draft. She hasn't yet read this draft because she's just too busy in her life. Because I'm but, telling you, Carla, I think a lot of people are not going to believe you that it's not based on your real life. And, and I'm telling you, you Marilee, that anyone who knows me will believe it. <laughs> but but I otherwise, I, I love I, I, choose, I choose not to care otherwise, but it's not going to no, be the I case. No, I love that. I love that you wrote a book about infidelity. And it's not about your life. It gives me a lot of hope for my next book. Because I also wrote a book about women chopping up and killing people. And it's this crime book about Hidden Hills Housewives. And my sister got very triggered because I, I said, because she, you know, she thinks that I'm going to kill my husband. And my next book, I want to write about this type of stuff. This similar, not exactly what you wrote, but just stuff like that. Just analyzing marriage. You know, I've been married almost 20 years, so I'm looking at it as well. Well, I'm, I'm assuming no one topic. thinks you chopped up your husband, so it's all the same. No, he's alive. He's fine. There you go. He also likes true crime like I do, so he and I are very similar in that regard. Interesting. That, yeah, so, he's more troubled by my first book, The Tudor, than he'll ever be by any crime novel I write. Oh, that's me. funny. <laughs> well, no, that yeah, makes sense. He, he thinks it's sort of lame. Well, let me ask you, we, we've covered your, your children and your husband. What do your parents think about it? My parents have passed away. Oh yes, I think he's, I'm so sorry. You and said by that. the way, that's probably why I was free to write. Well, a that's dirty what book I wondered. Yes. Oh yeah, there's no way. My poor mom. I, it was bad enough that I called her up one day and said, "Okay, mom, I've got. Do you want the good news or the bad news?" She's like, "What? What?" I said, "Okay, I dropped out of college and I'm in Paris." And my poor mother had to listen to all this. So, no, there was no way they would have. I could have dealt with them. I wondered that. Dirty. I wonder. I wondered that if if um, yeah. yeah. My mom was a nice social worker and. They were nice values, and they, they would have been just so confused by it. They would have just not understood. But they would have, look, would I have written the book if they were alive? I don't know. I wrote the book the year my mom died. My mother died on me. She lived with me. She was very close to me. She passed away. The minute she died, I started writing my book. Now, was it because she was dead? I don't know. I can't tell you. All I can say is my mom, I might have said, please just don't read the book, Mom. I don't know. My dad, I would have been embarrassed. He would have read the book and he would have, it would have been embarrassing for me. Sure. I understand you that. Know. I understand that. Well, particularly. You don't have that with your parents? 
Are they? Are they? Well, your father's not alive. Is no. your mom alive? No, neither of my parents is alive. But, but I don't think you wrote that type of book. That's embarrassing. Oh no, they they would have been thrilled. They would have been. Thrilled. If you had written a dirty book about your twenties, what would they have like? You wouldn't have been uncomfortable. I I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Um, I, I, right, first it's of a very all, naughty thing to do. Merrily, I had very different twenties from you, but um, no, I. What would, did you do in your twenties, Carla? Um, I was, I didn't get married till the end of my twenties, but I was living with my husband for most of them, so it was very, very staged <sighs> set of twenties. So you were sort of like the character in the book, in that you married the guy. You, did you meet him in college? I actually met him in high school, but yes, very. I'm what? similar in that respect. Similar in that. Did he respect. go to Harvard School for Boys? No, he did not. Um, you met him when you were in high school. I did. I did. How did you meet him? Um, well, I didn't. I didn't stay at Westlake, so we actually ended up at the same school my senior year. So. Um, but, wow! Did you yeah. go to college together? No, we didn't. We didn't. We went to different colleges. But were you were together throughout that whole time? Off and on, but largely. So. So you're saying you didn't behave the way I did in my 20s. That's what I'm saying. But had I, I don't know that well, I could have shown it to my what? parents. I, I'm just saying, had I behaved that way, I don't know that I could have shown it to my parents. Yeah, no, I don't know. I couldn't, definitely couldn't have. But, you know, um, my book is also a cautionary tale for what not to do. So if I were going to show my book to a 20-something, I would say, read the book and do everything she didn't do. Oh, that's interesting. Don't do anything she did. Do the opposite. But I think that... When you get to the end of the book, you feel that you've learned a lot as a as a human yes. being. So yes. that's the upside. Except I personally didn't, but the character did. Yes. Oh, you say that that's a difference then between you and your character. Very different. How in my book, well, in, there was a draft of the novel based on real life. So in, in the draft that was edited, there's been many things edited. You know, you, you're a writer, you edit, right? In real life, she had one last fling before she left Rome with some playboy. She did something very naughty right before she left, i.e. I did. And then the other thing I did was a week after she started that development job, she, no, like two months later, she quit the job because it was too basic, to use my children's language. Well, that's interesting, though, that 2019 you say, parlance. You didn't, you're saying you didn't learn, but the character did, but obviously right. you learned it now because that's what you put in the book. That's what yeah, you, I've eventually learned it. Right, but right. In the book, the character appears to have learned it at the moment, at the end of the book. She appears to have learned. Correct. In real life, I didn't. Interesting. Yeah. I had a lot to learn. So it took you a few more years. I had years. a lot to learn. Huh? It took you a few more years. I, it's possible I haven't learned still. I don't know. We all have a life to learn, well, right? That's true. Absolutely. Right. So I don't know. I, I just tell people, do, read the book, don't do that. That's, that's the, the 20-something. <laughs> but um, what, so anyway. So Yeah, and, no, I really loved your book. I'm so impressed by your powerful writing style as well. Well, thank you so much. And I yours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Well, that's uh, both of our screenwriting training, right? It, absolutely. Now, did you study screenwriting? Did you go to film school? I went. I went to um, UCLA and sort of minored in film, but I majored in English. Oh, so. you're the same as me. I majored in philosophy and minored in, but we only had film studies. Right, right. So I only was able to study like semiotics and like you know, crisscross from Strangers on a Train and whatnot. Right, right. I, I didn't have like production. I didn't. I didn't Did do you, that either. I, I. 
You did film studies. I worked in production after the fact, but I didn't study production. I don't think you can learn. I think screenwriting is, I think working in production is a good way to learn screenwriting, mm-hmm. actually. Working mm-hmm. in the film is, right? Or just, and reading, then actually just doing reading scripts. It, right? Yeah, and just reading scripts and you know, I, I feel Did you like read a lot of scripts? I read a lot of scripts. So I worked as a, I worked in development as a reader. So yes, I did. More and then you wrote Russia. a lot of scripts. And then I wrote a lot of scripts. And you too, apparently, right? I've written a lot of scripts that never got made into movies. That's for sure. Yeah, we all um, do that. We all do that. Yeah. Devel- I don't know if exactly. they still call it development hell. They used to call it development hell. Oh yeah, they called it that. I still yeah. call it that. Yeah. I guess that ages me. <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. I don't like, that's another thing I don't like about my book is that because people know who the director is and then they do the math, then everyone knows how old I am. I'm like, shoot. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Really? No. I I worry about it all the time. No, 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 no. You don't? I I do, but I shouldn't. (laughs) I try not to. No, same, same. I'm not supposed to worry about it because it's not cool, right? Yeah. It's uncool to worry about your age. Well... I'm sure I'm considerably older than you, so we can't even have that conversation. I doubt it. (laughs) Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure to read your book and a pleasure to speak with you. And I look forward to meeting you. Carla, absolutely the same. And I'm absolutely going to read your other books. And thank you for sharing your story of grief. I'm actually, I do need to read that. Well, thank you. I'm going to. Be in in touch when you do. What? I said be in touch when you do read it. I will. I'll get your info from uh, those guys. Sounds good. Thank you, Marilyn. Okay, Carla. Thank you. Take care. Happy Bye. New Year. Same to you.